Good morning and welcome to our first service on Sunday morning. We have two services, the first of which is our Bible prophecy update that we do weekly. And then second service is our sermon. It's a verse by verse study through God's Word. And we're currently in the book of Hebrews. Lord willing, today we're going to complete chapter 10. And we're going to look at how God is using everything that's happening in the world today to produce in us this much needed perseverance to endure to the end. Not that much longer. We are at the end. And so looking forward to that. It will be live streamed at 11.15 a.m. Hawaii time. Also, for those of you that are on YouTube, we're not on Facebook right now. We're having some issues. But uh, for those of you that are on YouTube watching this right now, we would really encourage you to go directly to jdfarag.org for the uninterrupted and uncensored entirety of today's update. Also, before we jump in, I wanted to give you a quick update on the situation in Afghanistan. Uh, first, please, please, please keep praying. Uh, God is moving, by the way, on the hearts of people. And there are organizations that are on the ground, actually, and they are rescuing as many people out of that country as possible. And God, as only He can, can take something as bad as this is and mean it for good, for the salvation of many alive this day. Second, the prophetic significance of Afghanistan in Ezekiel 38 is yet another indication of just how close we are to the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. Afghanistan is one of these stands, as we refer to them, that are listed in Ezekiel 38, this alliance of nations. Uh, the land of Magog is that area known today as the modern day stands. And uh, they are a part of this alliance that invades Israel. And uh, many are of the belief, and present company included, that this Ezekiel 38 prophecy will actually take place after the rapture. So in other words, if we're seeing this already start to come together now, then the question becomes, how close are we? And I believe that answer is, we are very close, as we talk about every week, by the way. Uh, also, one more thing. Please, please, please also pray for the Gulf Coast. I don't know if you've been following this, but they have now this uh, storm, Hurricane Ida. Uh, last time I checked before I came this morning, it was a Category 4 storm, but uh, they're suggesting that by the time it makes landfall uh, there in the Gulf, it will be possibly a Category 5, and that is just catastrophic. We have many online members in that area and in those states. And so please pray for no loss of life and just pray that God would be merciful uh, to them as it makes landfall, I think even as we speak and then later on today throughout the day. So please keep them in prayer. All right. For today's update, I, I need to do something a little bit different. And 
I just want to talk with you about how it is that we can strengthen ourselves in the Lord in the face of these perilous last days in which we find ourselves. You know, I hear from many who take the time to share what's happening in their lives. And these are just heartbreaking stories. And when I say heartbreaking, I mean they are just heartbreaking what people are going through right now. And people are just really battle weary. And one of the things that we are asked to pray for often is just for strength to go on. People are just asking us, please pray for me, pray for my family, for strength to go on. If you'll kindly allow me to, I want to begin by sharing with you <laughs> a message of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. This is for any who find themselves in this place of weariness and even discouragement. So this last week I, in my time with the Lord, I love it when He does this because He once again, as He's always faithful to, reminded me of and directed me to one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. I know I say that about every passage in the Bible, but uh, this one in particular, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And um, actually I would encourage you to turn there and join with me there. We're going to look at a couple of verses in this chapter. Let me just kind of give you the backstory of what's happening here. First of all, David is not in a good place. He's in the land of the Philistines and he's um, sort of running from and <laughs> just not in a very good place. And he has his men with him, 600 men. And these are mighty men. These are fighting men. These are men. These are battle warriors, 600 of them. And they've been in battle and traveling for three days, approximately 75 miles. And they finally come back to this place called Ziklag, where their camp was, where their place was, only to find that their wives and their children were taken captive by the Amalekites. And when they arrived there at Ziklag, they also find that everything had been burned to the ground. As you might imagine, David and his 600 men are devastated. And as we're going to see here in a moment, they just break down. These mighty warriors just break down and cry and weep bitterly, so bitterly that they just can't even weep anymore. They have no more strength in them to even cry. Let me read verses 3 and 4, 1 Samuel 30. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, 
burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever been so devastated, so exhausted from weeping so bitterly that you could not even weep anymore? It's almost like you can't even groan. You are just so devastated. And that's where these men were at this point. So intense is their weeping and despair that David's men actually turn on him, pointing the finger of blame at him, then even speak of killing him. That's what verse 6 tells us. Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But, and here it is, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. I wanted to start this way, because many today are at their own zigzag, as it were and are greatly distressed, rightfully so, as was David. As such, like with David, the best thing, and might I add, the only thing that we can do is to strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. The question becomes how? How do we strengthen ourselves in the Lord? Answer, turn to the Lord and inquire of the Lord. This is what David does, verse 8. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, speaking of God, answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. See, David, in inquiring of the Lord to strengthen himself in the Lord, has Abiathar bring to him the, the ephod, which was really the Word of God, the will of God, to discern what it is that God would have you to do. And this is how it is that we strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I know this might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious. I wish it were. When I say this, you're going to know this. You know this. I know this. We know this. But how we strengthen ourselves in the Lord is we pray and inquire of the Lord. 
And when we pray and inquire of the Lord, we're going to receive the word of assurance from the Lord. His word. David now is strengthened in the Lord. Why? Because he has the word, the assurance of the Lord. Why? Because he prayed to the Lord. Is that simple? We know this, right? I mean, it's really simple. In fact, I'm going to take it a step further and suggest that oftentimes God will bring us to a ziklag for this reason. He hasn't heard from us in a while. Oh, we've been busy. <laughs> you know, just really kind of too busy to pray. Huh? I would argue that you're too busy not to pray. I know in my own life, God has brought me to Ziklag many a time to bring me to the end of myself, so that I would strengthen myself in the Lord by inquiring of the Lord, turning back to the Lord, because He wants to talk to me. He wants to show me what to do. He wants to tell me what to do. How's God going to tell me what to do? Oh, right here, right here. Lord, what am I going to do? They've taken captive my family. I've lost everything. Everything has been burned to the ground. Even my loyal men are turning on me, and they want to kill me. Lord, what do I do? Right here. The Word of the Lord. That's how David strengthened himself in the Lord, with the Word of the Lord. And I mean, it is dramatic, because David, now strengthened in the Lord, now that he's inquired of the Lord, is directed providentially and miraculously. And God does exactly what He promised to do. So they set out, David and his 600 men. They go about eh, 12 miles approximately, and they reach the brook or the ravine or the valley of Bezor. And 200 of these 600 men just say, hey, we just can't go on. We want to, we just can't. There's no more strength in us. And so David says to them, okay, fine, you just stay here. We'll go. So David takes the 400 men, and he comes across an Egyptian who was a slave of the Amalekites. This is called a divine appointment. Oh, I really encourage you to 
in your own time in God's Word. Just spend some time in 1 Samuel chapter 30. It is just, it is fascinating. Because you would think that David and these 400 men would be in a hurry now that they've got the Word of the Lord, the direction from the Lord. Go, find your family. You're going to get your family back. You're going to get everything back. And then more, by the way. And here's this guy that apparently has been left for dead. You would think, hey, we don't have time. We got to get going. But interesting, the men of David take this Egyptian to David, and David starts asking him questions. And he says, you know, I I was left here to die. I've been here for three days and three nights. And so they gave him water to drink, saved his life basically, gave him food to eat, and his strength started to return to him. And then David starts querying him more. As it turns out, what a coincidence. This guy was with the Amalekites, a slave of the Amalekites. And he proceeds to tell David, yeah, we went to this place called Ziklag. Oh, really? Yeah, we took everyone captive. We took the spoil and we burned the place to the ground. Hmm. So David, he knows, this is the Lord, right? He says, um, <clears throat> Sir, can you take us to where they went? And he goes, yes, but on one condition. You don't kill me. Because he was part of that, by the way. And David says, deal. I will spare your life. You just take us to where they went. So he does, and they do. And they go and they find, now get this, it, they battled from dusk the night before till dusk the next night. And they defeated the Amalekites. Because the Amalekites were partying, they were drunk, they were intoxicated, they were hungover. And they defeated them and they took back their family, no harm done to them. Everything the Amalekites had taken, they got it back. Oh, and bonus, no extra charge. They took from them the spoil. No daughter, no son harmed, no wife harmed. So they make their way back and they come to the brook the valley, the ravine, Bezor. Imagine the look on those 200 men that couldn't go on. Again, it's not that they wouldn't, it's that they couldn't. That's going to be important in a moment. So here they come. And I don't know what the topography was, but I can just imagine and picture it in my mind that they, they heard them from a distance, from a far off. They probably heard their wives and their kids too. 
And then when they saw them come over the hill or around the corner, can you imagine the reunion, hugging and holding their children, hugging and kissing their wives? Well, it would be short-lived, at least for the moment anyway, because the 400 men who went with David, leaving behind the 200 men who couldn't. Oh, you know the story. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they say, um, you know, you can have your wives and your families and just leave, but you're not going to take any of the spoil that we got. And it's interesting because conspicuously absent from the narrative is any mention of any protest or any even response from the 200 men. I believe they were so overjoyed at just the reunion. My, my family, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay, yeah, I'm okay. And then to have these men, the, these are their men too. These are their brothers, their friends, been through many a battle with them. And to have them say that to them, take your wives, your kids and get out of here. You're not getting any of this because you didn't go into battle with us. And David, and this is what I love about David's back, by the way, David's back. That's David right there. He says to them, excuse me. <laughs> That's a very loose paraphrase of the original text. But he says to those men, no. And oh, by the way, did I hear you say that you were the ones that got the spoil? No, the Lord is the one who did it. The Lord's the one who did it. And the ones that were weak and weary and tired and exhausted, that couldn't go into battle, they will share as the ones who did. Oh, it's just, I mean, think about this. Two acts of kindness that changed everything. And both acts of kindness had to do with the ones that were weak of little strength, starting with the Egyptian that was on death's door, by the way, and resurrected on the third day, by the way. That's a typology there. And then to come back to these 200 men and the kindness, the grace, the mercy, the compassion, the love. On Thursday night, we were in Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 is one of my favorite chapters in all of the Bible, <laughs> along with 1 Samuel 30 and all the other ones in between. But no, this is, you know this chapter, by the way. It's all about how God 
will comfort and strengthen those who are weak and weary. You know, one of the things in the Gospels that is very interesting is that Jesus was always attracted to the last and the least. He was always gravitating towards, and it was always the weak, those in need of a physician, if you prefer. He was attracted to the prostitutes and the drug dealers, if you will, the down and out, the weary, the heavy laden, the last and the least. Oh, by the way, the harshest words ever to come from the Savior's mouth were reserved for the religious leaders of the day. You hypocrites, your whitewashed tombs, you're a den of vipers. I mean, oh my, these are the elders at the synagogue. Here comes a Samaritan woman to the well. No man ever talks to a woman, let alone a Samaritan. Jesus takes notice. She's hurting, and I know why. She's in yet another relationship, and it's an unhealthy relationship. And she's come to this well to get water. And He says to her, I have water that if you drink from this water that I have, you'll never thirst again. Can I read verses 28 through 31 of Isaiah 40? Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, not to the strong, to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. <laughs> they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Who, who's this for? The weak. I need strength. Who's this for? The weary. I'm weary. Oh. <laughs> this is for you. This is for you. I think the Apostle Paul will talk about this more in our Hebrew study, about endurance and perseverance and strength. <laughs> the Apostle Paul 
if I can say it like this, had the audacity to say that he boasts in his weakness. Really? Wait, wait, you mean you boast in your strength? No, I boast in my weakness. How so, Paul? Oh, so glad you asked. About 14 years prior, there was this man, he talks about himself in the third person who was caught up to the third heaven. He was shown, I mean, no words to describe, unspeakable glory. I mean, there's just no way he got a glimpse of it. But then God knew, knows <laughs> that we have this propensity to get heady, let it go to our heads. See, if God would have caught me up to the heaven to give me a glimpse of what glory looks like, oh, I'll let you know. I'll write a book. <laughs> I'll go on tour and speak. God caught me up to the third heaven. Come on, you would do the same thing. So how does God keep Paul down to earth? Oh, he gives him a thorn in the flesh. What was it? We don't know. By design, by the way, because if we knew what it was, and oh, I know speculation abounds, but when God's Word is silent, we would do well to be silent. We don't know. Because if we did know, and it was not something that we struggle with, we would dismiss it. It's left by design blank, so we can fill in the blank in our own lives with our own thorn in our own flesh. You know what it is. How many times have you prayed that God would just remove this thing? God, this, if, 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 please God. He pleads with God. And you know what God's answer is to his prayer? By the way, God always answers your prayer. You just may not like the answer that he gives you. The answer was no. No? Yeah, no. Why not? Because, Paul, you don't want me to. Because, see, this thorn in your flesh is there to keep you completely and totally reliant and dependent upon me, and to keep you humbly dependent upon me. You know, we, we know this, but sometimes I wonder, <laughs> we've bought into this and believed and have deceived that meekness is synonymous with weakness. That's not true. Jesus was meek. Was Jesus weak? Come on. It's not weakness is synonymous with meekness. It's weakness is the catalyst for meekness. Let me say that again. Weakness is not synonymous with meekness. Weakness is the catalyst for meekness. 
Paul, I'm going to leave that thorn in your flesh, because then you're going to realize that in your weakness, you're strong. Well, not in your strength, my strength. In fact, my grace is sufficient for you, and my strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness. That's why Paul says, okay, I'm weak then, because I want to be perfect in your strength. I want your strength, Lord. I need your strength, Lord. See, you know what our problem is? We're too strong in our own strength. We're trying to do it in our own strength, in our own might. And God just kind of waits and patiently waits. And He's so long suffering. I'll speak for myself. Man, there JD goes again, trying to do it in his own strength. I'll just wait. It's hard to watch. <laughs> It's so needless, so unnecessary. All the pain and the struggling and the suffering that had He but come to me in weakness, poof, I would have given Him my strength. Because you see, the thing about the strength that God gives when we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, it's the strength of the Lord. And it's reserved only for those who are weak. That's who the strength is for. I almost imagine it like this. God is at the ready, waiting for us to come to Him. Say, Lord, I am weak, but Thou art strong. And in our weakness, He says, okay, now, <laughs> watch me now. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to give you my strength. Here's where I'm going with this. God will give us strength to get through the trials in this world until He takes us out of this world. He can't not. And such is the case with all that's happening now, such that God will give us the strength to get through this evil world until He takes us out of this evil world. We're in this world, but we're not of this world, and this world is not our home. Would you agree that the world is waxing more and more evil with each passing day? You know what that means, right? The rapture could happen any day because of it. Here's how I get there. And please stay with me. Bible prophecy describes a battle-weary church with little strength 
at the time of the end. In other words, the condition of the church at the time of the rapture describes the exact condition of the church of Jesus Christ today. A church that is barely hanging on with little strength, keeping God's Word and not denying His name. In Revelation 3 verses 7 through 13, we have a letter that Jesus inspires the Apostle John by the Holy Spirit to write to one of seven churches. This is to the church of Philadelphia. And in verse 8, He commends them. And it's not what you think He would commend them for. You know what He commends them for? He says, I know that you have little strength. That's not a rebuke. He's commending them. Why? Because you have kept my word and have not denied my name. The implication being that there were those who had denied His name. In other words, if you went to a church in that day, you'd be hard pressed to find a church that would even mention the name of Jesus. Even the worship, no mention of the word Jesus. Ah, wasn't the worship today great? I tell you, that song, that hymn of old, I am decided to follow Jesus. I am decided to follow Jesus. I am decided to follow Jesus. No turn back, no turn back. The world behind me. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Wouldn't want to be ya. The cross before me. Don't none go with me. Still I will follow. Because I've decided to follow Jesus. The name of Jesus. The only name given among men whereby we must be saved. That's why it is, by the way, when you mention the name of Jesus, air stops. Language changes too. Have you noticed? I love it whenever I'm in a conversation with somebody and they ask me what JD stands for. And I tell them, stands for Jesus Disciple. Like, oh. Excuse my French. Hey, listen, buddy, that wasn't French, okay? <laughs> but you have just pronounced the name above all names. And that's why it is it changes the whole complexion of the conversation. 
<laughs> when I was younger. I remember conversations, and that's why I chose that as an alias, a legal AKA and a nickname, JD, because I wanted to start the conversation. So people would see my business card and they would see Wahid JD Faragi. Hey, what does the JD stand for? Jack Daniels? <laughs> I'm like, okay, here we go. <laughs> yeah, no, not exactly. Well, anyway, this church had not denied the name of Jesus, nor had they denied the Word of God. They kept it. He goes on in verse 10 saying, Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of tribulation that is going to come upon the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. And then he says this, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Just hold on. I know you're barely hanging on. I know you're hanging on by a thread. I know you have little strength. I know you're weary, <laughs> but I'm coming. I've come. I've come, and I'm going to keep you because you kept my word, my command to endure patiently. You did not deny my name. You kept my word. I'm going to keep you from the tribulation. Hang on. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, sorry, I got a little Pentecostal there. But. but that's the church that's described at the time of the end. Did you make that connection? I'm going to take you out of this world. Just hang on before the seven-year tribulation is going to come upon the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. This comports with no less than two additional prophecies in Scripture, both of which speak to the condition of the church at the time of the rapture. One of which is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, writing to Timothy, a pastor of a church, says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of His appearing, can't wait, and His kingdom, can't wait, I give you this charge. Preach the Word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And here's why, verse 3. For the time will come. I say that time is already here. When people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, 
to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And then verse 4, listen very carefully to this. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths, fables, stories. This is deliberate. And oh, by the way, it comports with the end of all seven letters to all seven churches. Let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So apparently they don't have ears to hear. They have itching ears that want to hear what they want to hear. And if you don't tell them what they want to hear, it's all good. We'll get back to normal. Everything's going to be okay. I, I want to hear that. I want to hear that. <sighs> but it's not the truth. And that's the description of the church today. Would you agree? In addition to there being no sound doctrine taught in the church, so too will there be mockers of the church. I'm talking about the church in the context of the body of Christ, made up of brothers and sisters in Christ, who actually hold to the words of Christ and believe in the return of Christ and have not denied the name of Christ. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing and following their own evil desires. That's interesting. They will say, where is this coming He promised? Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. My, my great, 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 great grandfather thought it was in his lifetime, and yet here we are. Come on. Pastor, you've been saying the rapture's going to happen for the last well, for you here, 17 years, it actually precedes <laughs> here. I've been saying it for 39 years. I'm going to keep saying it too, by the way. No, oh, actually there will come a day where I won't say it anymore. <laughs> because I'll have been raptured. The common denominator with these prophecies and the many like them, and there are many, is that not only is it trending to this end, but it's also 
going to get even worse the closer we get to the end. Let he who has an ear hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. If there was ever a time to trust the Lord and strengthen ourselves in the Lord, that time is now. And maybe you're here or watching online and things have gotten so bad, and that's why you're here or watching online. <laughs> and that's a good thing. I would like to go ahead and end the live stream on YouTube, and we need to talk about a few things. Things are getting really bad. Probably goes without saying, but the mandate for the jab, the threats of lockdowns, it seems that it's just intensifying with each passing day. Thankfully, as a praise report, we have received numerous emails from people who obtained approval for their religious exemption request from taking the jab. Yeah, many powerful stories about how it, yeah. Um, some are discerning, and this is, this is good discernment, that they basically got the approval, but it's really only buying themselves some more time, because ultimately they will nullify any exemption, whether religious or medical. And there are sadly some who did not receive the approval upon submitting a request for a religious exemption. And if that's you, I want to encourage you. It really wouldn't have mattered what you did. They have no intentions of giving you any kind of an exemption. So for those who have not yet requested a religious exemption, we do have this available for you. I want to refer you to the update from last week on August 22nd. Uh, we went through a very detailed explanation on how to submit the request at the jdfrog.org website. Uh, this is available for our online members. And by the way, we are often asked, uh, how do you become an online member? Are you ready for it? <laughs> Wait for it. Just watch online and you're a member. <laughs> so I want you to know, I wish you could see my beautiful brothers and sisters in this God's church that I am so privileged to pastor. By the way, you guys look marvelous. They look marvelous. We don't have a membership here either. We have no formal membership. You just come as you are. Come as you are. Yeah. So to become an online member, congratulations, you just became an online member if you're watching online. So we actually, from what I understand, and this might be a, a conservative number, and I only mention it 
because it speaks to just how amazing God is. But we have sent out over 25,000 religious exemption letters through the master's mail on the website. It's a lot of signing. I did not, <laughs> although I have signed many. Uh, so if I get carpal tunnel, you'll know why. But there are those that had some difficulties or have not yet received it. I, I just want to let you know that if you go to the homepage, by the way, the exemption tab is on the homepage. Uh, you'll need to select that to submit, fill out the information and then submit the request. But if you're having difficulties, we actually have a support center and it's in the resources menu. If you drop it down, you'll see the uh, support center. It'll take you to this page. You'll find several categories, by the way. We have a um, uh, category for the billboards. We're going to talk about that in a moment. ABCs of salvation. Uh, just any, if you're having problems, just even with the live stream, the audio, the website, whatever, we have all of these categories. And we created a category just for the exemption letters at the bottom right hand corner. Pardon me, as pictured here. If you select that, it will take you to this page with frequently asked questions. And at the top, you can submit a request. And I want you to know that we are on on top of it. We have the most amazing people that uh, God has blessed this church with, an amazing staff. And we will respond in a timely manner and do whatever we can to help you out and to support you if you're submitting a request for a religious exemption. Now, I just need to mention one more thing in regards to this. This is very important because Last week, I referred to a Voice for Truth. It's a website that has great documentation and resources on aborted fetal tissue in the vaccine research. It is thoroughly documented. And apparently there were some problems last week. It, it was an error message. So uh, I had Lane, who's uh, on staff with us, reach out to A Voice for Truth, and they were able to get the links restored. And then we even added them again to the video today. Why is this important? Because the religious exemption letter that you're requesting cites this as the reason. And you're going to need to have, in fact, I would highly encourage you when submitting the religious exemption, to have this documentation printed out and attached with the religious exemption letter request. Because it is upon the basis of these so-called vaccines containing aborted babies, fetal tissue. Now, there's a lot of, uh, I don't want to get too far into this because we need to uh, move on. But you're going to be challenged on this. And you really need to know why, not just what, you need to know why 
you believe what you believe, because they will take you to task on it. We had uh, one um, online member in the medical field that submitted the request. She got the exemption approved, but man, they put her through the ringer. And she had to go through all of this documentation with them and explain to them. And I want you to listen very carefully, and the enemy doesn't want you to hear what I'm about to say. But I believe that God can use this to win people to Christ. We had one online member sent an email to us saying that when they submitted this letter to their employer, who's not the enemy, by the way, they're the mission field. This employer, to their credit, was blown away. I didn't know this. They don't know. They don't know this. And not just about this specifically. I would venture to say that the majority of employers and people on the other side of this issue have no idea. Could it be that God has equipped you with this for such a time as this? How do you know that God isn't going to use this to win them to Christ? Okay. Again, as I mentioned at the beginning, I sense that today's update really needed to be a message of hope and encouragement. And truth be made known, I'm encouraging you with the encouragement that God has encouraged me with over the years. And I'm wanting to comfort you with the comfort that I've been on the receiving end of from the Lord over the years. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let me read verses 3 through 7. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, <laughs> it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which, listen, produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Oh, I wish I had the time to expound on the context in which this was written. You know what Paul's saying by the Holy Spirit? <laughs> Be encouraged. There were times when 
I thought, man, this is it. <laughs> this is how it ends. And God was right there and He comforted me and He strengthened me and He encouraged me. And you know what? It was so that I could comfort you and strengthen you and encourage you because I've been through what you're going through. I've been on the receiving end of this. And I can testify to you on the authority of God's Word and God's grace that He will never fail you. He will see you through. I know this is hard. <laughs> I know it doesn't look good. There have been times where I <laughs> had my Ziklag. I mean, it, it was so bad. I, I couldn't even make a noise anymore. It was just that inward cry. I couldn't even cry. I was, I was incapable of even moaning. I mean, just at the end of myself. And I just remember holding in my one hand this Bible. This is why I'll never get rid of this Bible. I don't care if it keeps falling apart on me. But I had my Bible in one hand and my dying baby daughter in my other hand. She was only five pounds. And God comforted me and God strengthened me and God encouraged me. And I've tasted from that cup and I want to share that with you, that so too will God comfort you and strengthen you and encourage you. Doesn't matter how bad it is, cannot change how good God is. You'll forgive me for the abruptness with which I turn this corner and bring it to an end, but we are, I don't know how else to say this, we are so close to the end. No, I, I mean that. Yeah, but pastor, you say that every week. I know, but we're one week closer now to the end. Yeah, but pastor, it's, it's getting really bad. I know. And even if it gets significantly worse, and it likely will, God will give you the strength to endure to the end, which is the title of our Hebrew study today. Lastly, let me just say, now is the time, and today is the day to get Jesus to people and people to Jesus as fast as we can. This is why we do these updates. This is why we end with the gospel, the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. This is why we end with a simple childlike explanation of salvation by way of the ABCs of salvation. What's the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus came and He died and He was buried and He rose again on the third day and He's coming back again one day soon and very soon, sooner than any of us can possibly imagine, I believe. The A, and this again is just a, an explanation 
of salvation. It, it starts with this acknowledging, admitting that, you know what? <laughs> I'm a sinner. And if I'm a sinner, that means I need a Savior. That's what Romans 3.10 says, there is no one righteous, not even one. And Romans 3.23 tells us why, is because all have sinned. Every single one of us was born a sinner, which is why we must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, this is really the bad news first and then the good news, which is what the gospel means. Good news, your debt has been paid, your penalty carried out, you're free to go. Good news, that's what the word gospel means. Well, how is that possible? Because see, I was already sentenced to death, for the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. But here's the good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The B, and this is very important, it is central, is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. And as Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. Just believe. And then when you believe and put your trust in the Savior for the forgiveness of sins, the expression is going to be to call out to Him, and that's the sea. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans 10, 13 says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I implore you today do not put off the most important decision of your life for eternal life. That trumpet is about to sound. Can I just have two more minutes? I want to share with you another creative ABC's story. By the way, on the website we have uh, all of the uh, resources for billboards, a lot of people, because we don't have billboards in Hawaii. This is why I know God has a sense of humor. He uses a ministry, this obscure ministry, on the windward side of Oahu, on an island in a state that does not have any billboards, to have billboards <laughs> all over the world, literally, by the way, particularly on the mainland. Well, this one comes from an online member in Indiana who writes, I originally started three billboards, one in Sheridan, Indiana, and two more in Noblesville, Indiana. I am from the small town of Sheridan and still have friends and family there. I currently reside in Noblesville. I was driven by the Holy Spirit to do three billboards for three as the Trinity. 
I was able to reach almost 100,000 people for the month that the billboards ran. The locations show my journey in life from where I started to where I am. God has blessed me beyond belief, and I am overjoyed that I can share the gospel in such a big way. No one would think that I could pull this off. I am a single parent running my own business, but God knew. Now that the first billboards have ran, the Lord has given more direction on spreading the gospel. My dear friend from high school and her husband partnered with me to continue one of the billboards in Noblesville. We have dedicated ourselves to a six-month contract. The current billboard we have gets 75,000 views a week. Our plan was to continue with just this one due to receiving so many views and reaching more people. However, God has called us back to Sheridan, and she puts in parentheses, Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> we will be sponsoring the Sheridan billboard for six months as of September the 14th. And then she goes on lastly, and I, I, this is really interesting to me. She said, the ad that took over our ABCs of Salvation is UI Hospital. There are no other UI billboards locally that we can find or are aware of that has done this ad they had on that particular billboard. UI Hospital has taken the opportunity to hit all the points the enemy is currently using to deceive the nations. The ad, get this, is a black man who's gotten the vaccine with a heart sticker where the jab was taken. And he looks to be in a church with a lit up cross in the background. Deception at its fullest. I am blessed to be able to sponsor this board again with the ABCs of salvation. God is so very good. Romans 8, 28 keeps appearing in my life in so many ways. Who knew, right? Praise the Lord. Once you all stand, we'll have the worship team come up. I so very much appreciate your patience. I <laughs> Don't look at your watches yet. Uh, you're very gracious, and I thank you for that. Uh, Lord, thank you so much. Lord, I, I know as I say this and pray this that I do so with the agreement of my precious brothers and sisters here today and even watching online. But it's becoming abundantly clear that you're using this to bring many people to you, Jesus. And for us to be a small part of that is a profound privilege. Just that we're alive at this time in human history. Yes, it can be terrifying, but certainly it is exciting because we know what's next. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll use this today to reach literally the uttermost parts of the earth. 
that even if just one today comes to you, then what we did here today was worth it. So please, Lord, use us. Here are we. <laughs> Send us, Lord. Use us. And lastly, Lord, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus, Maranatha, in Jesus' name.